Good evening once again, listeners. It's time for another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Get right into it, fellas. How are you? Doing okay. You know, it's just another day, and everything's fine. Fine, Doc, fine, fine. Doc, how are you? Doing pretty well. Pretty well. Let's uh, start with HBUs first, HBCUs first, because yesterday was not a good day, Doc. No, I wasn't, wasn't a lot to celebrate this weekend for HBCUs at the major division. You know, when they took it to the chin against uh, the Southland, which they matched up for the second consecutive weekend, one game was a barn burner, uh, and the other one was just a courtesy beatdown, if you would, for lack of other words. For those that are not familiar with the matchups this past weekend and hadn't seen the scores or updates, I'm referring to the Prairie View traveling to Nichols. They got beat up pretty good, 44 to 13 uh, in that matchup. Just were overwhelmed. Uh, not sure what took place there. Just didn't look very good uh, in terms of the game. They got a couple of times in scoring position, but the game really got away from them before the end of the half when it was 34 to three at the half and uh, tried to make them in the second half, but didn't do much better. In regards to the game, but the exciting game was McNeese traveling to Alcorn State. Game was back and forth, very competitive game, very exciting game. People were watching it, and literally at the end of the game, 33 yards scoring strike with 26 seconds as James Tavery hit Kent Shelby by the McNeese Cowboys for the winning touchdown and the difference in that game late. Um, just before that, though, Auckland State looked like they were going to take the lead on a uh, punt return for a touchdown, and then it was called back for an unsportsmanlike penalty, which I'm sure will drive a lot of fans crazy uh, in the SWAC and the Brave Country down there. But that's pretty much what took place in regards to the SWAC uh, for those type of matchups. Then you had a SWAT team, Alabama State, going up against the Big South Conference. Uh, didn't fare much better and were ter- in terms of that game. It was close. But uh, getting to the point where you need more than these close calls, Kennesaw State out of the Big South. This is a program that has moved up over the last couple of years, joined the membership in the Big South. They traveled to Montgomery to take on the Hornets of Alabama State. They get Beat that is the Hornets twenty to fourteen. So it was a very competitive game, but couldn't get it done. Uh, as Kennesaw, Kennesaw State uh, does it and gets it done. The swag game of the week in regards to swag competition. This is one of those doomers. The media pundits crazy, if you would. This is a game between two swag teams, but because the swag has moved to move from. The nine-game format where they play everybody and still play a SWAC championship game. Uh, year before last, they decided to go to the seven-game format, but they still allow teams to play each other. So this is would be a a non-conference game between conference members. I guess is the best way to say it. Very competitive game. Grambling looks like they might be beatable, or unless people think Jackson State uh, is getting into gear. Defensively, the Tigers of Jackson State are pretty solid. But they were able to put some game, put up some points this game. Went back and forth, um, tied at 21-22. or not tied, but Ramon just had the edge, 22-21, coming out of the third quarter. They were able to score late to kind of put the game out of reach, and that was basically scoring on a ill-advised pass play where the Jackson State wide receiver was laterally to another wide receiver. And they looked like they had practiced this or something because they they did it a couple times a game. Each time it failed to really make any major play. But this time it actually hit the ground and was fumbled. Brown was able to pick it up going to the end zone and give us the final margin of the game, which is 36-21. You got some frustrating Texas State Tiger fans out there. They just can't seem to get back in the football business in regards to that. A couple other games out there, uh, just to mention South Alabama. That's the FBS program of Alabama. And they shut them out 45-0 on the side of state. 
48 over Arkansas Pond, 48 to 3. Uh, UT San Antonio right here in the backyard in Texas beats up on Southern as they bring and have a big gumbo party. But uh, outside of that, I don't think yeah, San Antonio uh, was too friendly to the SWAC. Then you had a game that I was really interested in. You stepped out of the SWAC footprint and look at HBCUs and the MEAC. I was interested in Howard Richmond. This is after Howard had that first game where they upset UNLV, played within seven to Kent State um, with the chance late to make that game uh, even more notable for couldn't get it done. Richmond, you're talking about a game that's in the regional area, recruiting ties, and Richmond looks like they want to keep winning the recruiting battles, or at least if you want to go to the team that is winning and dominating, because they just dominate Howard, which surprised a lot of people in terms of the score at least. 68-21, so they beat him up really well in terms of the contest. Another one that got ugly, the Norfolk State can't score, but now it looks like they can't stop anybody as James Madison beats up on Norfolk State 75-14, to so that got really ugly. But to bring back the smile to people's face, well, let me give you one more early score. Florida Atlantic, this was the least uh, FBS program getting it done against Bethune Cookman. They shut them out 45-0. You had a Tennessee State getting their chance to play their MEAC pro after last week playing Jackson State as a SWAC. Um, another close contest, but they get it done 24 to 13 over Florida and the Rattlers. Remember, as we talked about this, this is the family Rattler team to beat up on Texas Southern. So that's something to consider. We had a couple of Division II matchups that happened there with the special against the Division II Livingstone at the CIAA, shutting them out 59 to 0. Uh, in terms of that, you had South Carolina State over another CIAA foe beating them, uh, 41-0, shutting them out as well. So those are some couple of stories there. We'll get into the other ones where you play FBS programs going up. But the game that uh, gets us excited again and gives us hope, the HBCU Sports fans, is none other than North Carolina A&T Aggies. They do it for the second consecutive year, three out of the last four years, but they just know what it means to go find the FBS program and do what people think they're not supposed to do, which is get it done in terms of when you go up to play SB program, get that upset. They defeat Charlotte 35-31. Wildcat? Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is this the same Charlotte 49ers play? <laughs> yeah, this is Charlotte 49 Oh, my goodness. Franklin McCain returned an interception of 74 yards for a touchdown with 24 seconds left in the game. The best, best basically, was the difference. It's 49ers uh, scoring late, but uh, A&T gets it done 35-31. They were dominating for most of the game. And then the 49ers made a valiant effort late in the contest to try to close the gap and see if they could score uh, the chance for North Carolina to do that victory lap in regards to getting that upset, but it was not to be for the 49ers and the Aggies of A&T uh, are really looking very good this year. This is a team uh, if you keep your eyes on, it looks like they're trying to find a way back to Atlanta after they missed out last year against North Carolina Central, their rival, in-state rival that they played for the championship game uh, of the conference, which would essentially gave them the bid to go to the Celebration Bowl. I can remember two years ago, they went to the inaugural Celebration Bowl Yep. And played off one state and got it done in that championship game. It looks like they're trying to get back, and if I have anything to say about it, I wouldn't bet against them. Certainly no. wouldn't bet, bet uh, a stake on it. Now, Wildcat, uh, the reason I, I chimed about your name up there, what conference does Charlotte play in? Yeah. Conference USA. Conference USA. What conference does Utah play in? Conference USA. That's two down. What conference does Rice play in? They play in Conference USA. Okay. <laughs> Saturday evening, I was at TDECU Stadium for the Bayou Bucket matchup between University of Houston and the Rice Owls. I expected. USA? I expected, yes. I expected a more competitive ball game, heaven forbid. Not really sure why I, I expected that. Me and some of my friends did too uh, while we were drinking water and juice before the game. Uh, we man, I couldn't find y'all, I, and, and I had a need to come up to him. I, I was tired. I had a long day. But I tell you, 
But uh, now, let me I'm, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just be honest. They got their crap beat out there. Th- yeah, they being well, right, well, correct? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna find out t- tomorrow what what's going on on the Cougar side. What went right, and Tuesday I'm gonna find out what went wrong. <laughs> I mean, it was 38 nothing at halftime. The final score was 38-3. Rice got a field goal with about two minutes left in the ball game to uh, get on the scoreboard and, and extend their non-shutout uh, streak to 201 games. Uh, so in a roundabout way, that means they have not been shut out in 201 consecutive football games. So that's why the field goal was, was important. I left at halftime. We returned back to the tailgate spot to finish drinking water and juice. Well, so you, because you I was disapp- because I was disappointed at uh, the performance by Rice. Because, like I said, I, I thought it'd be more competitive. Now let me backtrack a little bit. Um, Rice started the season in Australia, got rocked by Stanford, but they bounced back and they beat UTEP thirty-one fourteen last week. So I'm thinking, and 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 the Cougars' offense did not look good last week against Arizona. The defense played solid. Arizona's quarterback situation was unimpressive, but it's been that way for a while. Arizona bounced back Friday night this just a few days ago and beat the football team by scoring a beat Utah sixty-three to sixteen. So I figure Rice beat UTEP 31-14. Arizona beat UTEP 63-16. How bad is UTEP? Like I said, they are a lot better, worse than you think they are. Well, I think they're really crappy then because they must be really – They must be hideous because I think they're a pile of trash right now. Uh, I'm glad that this. After schedule, they don't they don't play Charlotte, so that would be a, a chance, you know, to be the worst team in Division One football. But they don't play uh, in Conference to say on the schedule right now, which is disappointing, or maybe not disappointing because who knows if anybody would score. <laughs> you might need a new site for that because I was thinking about it. So uh, yeah, I'm being I'm being nasty. I'm being nasty. I think you're being honest. Uh, I don't know. How soon it gets resolved? All I know is that they, the, the the alumni grumbling that's going around, that's that's here in town. Uh, they made a decision to go and meet with the uh, outgoing uh, athletic director, and at some point, look to uh, are looking to place someone on the committee, basically because this is a recruiting uh, uh, area for them. And after it seems like who, Coach Price was a, that's the only person that they that's the only name that they bring it up, bring it up right now. He went out of his way to go back and redo and reintroduce UTEP minors here locally to the high school coaches. You know, started and and uh, opened up recruiting lines back up because everybody since uh, since that time since he left. Nobody is, is made an attempt or an effort to even come to th- come this way, other than when they when they got rice on the schedule to come here. So that's their real year, mm. and it's not doing any good. And let I, me I, let me mention this real quick while I can. I guess I think the head coach of UTEP, his name is Sean Kugler. Uh, he's a, uh, he's a he's quoted in uh, online uh, looks like website that covers UTEP football. Let me read the quote, because you get kicked out of this, about the lack of the dropping fan support. Quote, number one, I don't blame them. I can see why they're frustrated, and I'm frustrated too. That's not a good sign right there. That's your head coach telling you that he understands the frustration of the fans and you only three games into the season. Well, he's, he's on borrowed time. Uh, they got the president um, AD is retiring this year. They've gone out for a national search, and the next person coming in will do will make it make all the changes. On a happier note, as I touched on, uh, Kyle Allen led the Cougs to the thirty-eight-three thrashing of Rice. Did he look like a quarterback? 
31 or 33 record wow. completion percentage in school history. That's 90. Let me get the right number. Cause, um, 93.9 completion percentage for Mr. Allen. And he didn't play much in the second half. I mean, that's how thorough this butt whooping was. Uh, Lionel Bonner, 132 yards receiving. Dials hurt themselves early in the first quarter. Turnovers, Cooper took advantage of it. Led 17 nothing at the end of the first quarter. It's about 39,000 people at the game, so it wasn't a sellout. But it was it was a decent crowd. Um, upper deck, you know, the high rows were kind of empty. But considering Rice is not a football school, 39,000 is good. We'll see what the Cougars do this coming Saturday, 11 a.m. kickoff against Texas Tech. I think the Cougars are fourth. Cougar defense ranked fourth in points allowed at roughly, I think, 9.5 and, you know, nine and some change points per game. And Texas Tech is top 10 offense in scoring and scoring like 54 points a game. So we're, we're going to see something. <laughs> defense going against offense, high power defense, high powered offense. The Cougars offense. Yeah, we'll see. The Cougars offense is methodical. I think, you know, it's only That's two games in. That's not good. I've seen Tech. They are not methodical. No, they, no very true. Keep going. Keep going. It's, you know, that's that's very true. We we know Texas Tech has, you know, high-powered, fast-paced offense has been has been away for years. But through two games, we'll see. The Cougars, the running game got going a little bit more Saturday. They're more ground, ground and pound, screen passes to the receivers. They'll dink and dunk your way down the field. They hurry up the offense to get the line of scrimmage and then allow – Kyle Allen to read the defense and determine what he's going to do. So they hurry up and get to the line, but doesn't mean they're going to snap the ball within 10 seconds. So Saturday, I think they're going to continue that. Coach Applewhite and the staff will continue just being methodical, try to use time off the clock. But clearly, if Texas Tech gets ahead early and forces U of H's offense to Try to respond and, Ain't gonna be good. and be, beat them gonna in a high-scoring football game. I don't see that happening. So I think it's going to be up to the defense, Ed Oliver and the defense, to get some turnovers. Offense, take advantage of those turnovers, do a better job in the red zone, capitalize on, on the turnovers in terms of touchdowns rather than just field goals. Because the, the more points, the higher scoring this game gets, the less chance the Cougars, I see the Cougars winning the football game. I think it's, the game's going to be on ABC, you know, reasonably at, at 11 a.m. kickoff. So my friends and fellow alums will be there early Saturday with mimosas and more water and juice um, for everyone. So if you want to come on by, you can. So... Um, <laughs> Dog, I see a pattern with this, with this water yeah, and juice. Yeah, it's a lot of juice, man. It's a lot of water and juice, man. Yeah. I got a lot of water and juice, we had, we, had, we had plenty of water and juice. We had uh, well, No, that ain't what I asked you. I asked you with all this water and juice, do y'all have a quarter party close by? Because that's a lot of water and juice. Yeah. No. <laughs> and, and let me also say, the setup, they changed the setup with the construction mm. of the practice, the football practice facility. So, so tailgating areas in, well, really all tailgating areas have moved further away from the stadium in terms of walking distance, but it's, it's more uh, room for in the grass areas that kids want to play. Kid, you know, kids or students want to toss the ball around. So that, I, I didn't mind it at all. The walk wasn't a problem for me because, you know, I'm used, I'm used to yeah. tailgating in, yeah. at other schools. So it wasn't a problem for me. So it's a good setup. I think there could be more RVs that could park in the parking lot. I think the folks that were there Saturday enjoyed the setup. I didn't hear too many complaints, you know, from the older alums because there were shuttle buses and the what are they called? The the, pet, the cycle guys to the shuttle back and forth for for people who want to get to the stadium to or from the area. So I had a few of those. I know, as well. I know. 
So yeah, it was it was it was, it was a good setup. I had a few complaints, concerns. I didn't see enough people directing traffic. Oh, okay, so, now that's that's a problem. So I didn't like that's that part of it. But you know, there's things to work on, things to improve upon. I do have concerns about what they're going to do um, for a game during the week, like on a Thursday night game, because oh. school will be in session. So where is everybody going to park for you know the students who are going to class in the Thursday evening? Especially well, you know what they did, what they did last year. They moved the students over off the um, over by the wellness center. So we'll see because on, on the other side of campus. Yep. So, but since that was last year and it's different setup this year, so I'm kind of curious how they're going to make the adjustments for the new tailgating, tailgating areas because it's near the architecture building and and the those that part of it uh, at the um, the, the Cullen Theater and all you know that kind of stuff. It's the side opposite baseball field. So. We'll see how it all plays out. Hopefully, they they are forward thinking, and have already begun planning this for those events, those games that are during the week. But I enjoyed it. You know, it was a good crowd, plenty of water and juice. So um, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, the future games. I'm really I'm looking forward to Saturday's game because it's uh, two contrasting styles: offense, high powered offense, and a uh, stingy defense. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to um, the matchup against Memphis because I think the Memphis game, yeah, Memphis is a Thursday night game, and Memphis is coming off. That's a, that was a huge win for the conference. Big you win, do. beating top 25 UCLA Saturday in a shootout, 48-45, and I'm sure Commissioner Oresco was, was beaming at uh, – Another win over a Power Five school. So you know, I tweeted that about um, you know Power Six, American Power. Um, one of my buddies, you know, we know Jeremy Brandon. Jeremy Branham tweeted out P Six. So he, you know, he he calls the uh, the games for U.S. Athletics. So it's a big win for the conference. U.S. Uh, continue their winning ways, so uh, we have a few more teams in top twenty-five. Yeah, I was going to say it's going to be exciting to start the party rolling. So I uh, thought the uh, American made some big statements in regards to competition of the Power Fives, particularly those outside of the Big Twelve. And like I, like you said, I think this weekend's game with Texas Tech. You, uh, American chance to do it against the Big 12 because they didn't have much success in that side of it as yet. Oklahoma, you know, on two lanes. And obviously, TCU beating them on SME. Yeah, SMU played TCU type, type for a while, and then TCU pulled away down the stretch. So, yeah, 21 points in the uh, fourth quarter. Outside of that, that game got a little interesting, particularly towards the half. And then East Carolina. And lay the egg games in Virginia Tech, each four to seventeen. But we'll take those big wins. Obviously, the Connecticut lost to Virginia, thirty-eight eighteen. But that's very competitive in terms of that game. Um, but uh, that Memphis win over UCLA, a top twenty-five program, and then you have a top twenty-five program yourself from South Florida, the North. So I thought the American, all in all, will take a weekend like that. And this is another weekend to continue to make those steps. As you said, they brand themselves as part of the Power Six. But I think it's interesting when you look at what's going on with the Commerce USA, the tough time they're having versus much more solid time with the Americans, which is starting to really separate themselves uh, uh, between that. Obviously, you go back out a little further west with San Diego State getting a win over Stanford, which is another big win for the Mountain West over there. But I think the American... Uh, uh, life, life, life is going on right now. They'll continue to push them. You know, it's, it's the American, the, the non, what is it, the group of five, the American, yeah. the MAC, Mountain West. One of our colleagues, Mr. Baseball Montgomery, got to be beaming I with uh, Northern Illinois going into Nebraska and Lincoln and, and, and beating the Cornhuskers. Great catch. Yep. So uh, that's a big win there. You know, you just touched on San Diego State. So it can be done. 
Yeah. It's not going to be enough. Two conferences. I thought the interesting one is that that bond burner between Toledo and Tulsa with the Toledo coming up fifty four fifty one. That's a tough one. Yeah. And you know that game right there, the the American gets a big win over a Power Five school, but then you have you lose a game to Toledo. So. Out of the oh. Mac, you're talking about. Yeah, out of the Mac. So. If they're content with the setup the way it is, you know, they see we have, well, we have quality teams in South Florida, Memphis, in Houston right now, we're paying only pennies on the dollar in comparison to the, the big boys. So why should we bother spending more money on those programs and the American? We can get them on the cheap. So unless the presidents of the Power Five programs want to make a change, and see your benefit to increasing membership of the pie, then these group of five schools may just be stuck. Four or five years from now, we'll be doing the same thing, and, and schools and alums will see we can't continue doing this. Chris, that's a great point when you bring it up with the television and the money being the huge question that we always seem to find a way to get back to. And the Power Five simply are not going to want to open up unless you get to the point and the television say, hey, we like what these teams are doing, what they bring to the table. If you bring them in the fold, we'll increase the overall pot. That's the only way you can see the Power Five decide to open up. Uh, if they see it beneficial from a financial standpoint, and that's when it gets very challenging from the Power of Six. I think what Commissioner is doing is obviously love to get into the Power Five and change it to literally the Power Six. But also there's a fight to make sure when they go back to the table and negotiate the TV contract, at the very least, that they get a significant raise. Obviously not necessarily to the, the Power Five level, but they want to start to get in that ballpark where the teams can leverage where they are and still continue to make the good fight. They can't get it up significant enough uh, you're going to have some people that are going to have some very tough decisions to make. True. And I guess the best case scenario for a group of five program, be it U of H, Western Michigan, or it's from the MAC, South Florida, Boise State, is one of those schools, one of those programs becomes like Miami of the 80s where yeah. they became a yeah. national power and won and competed, but also won national championships, whereas a Power Five conference said, we have to get this program in our conference because they are winning national championships. Everybody knows where they are. You know, they're kicking butt. They're on TV all the time beating us. So we can't beat them. I'd rather have them join us. That's right. That's you know, for them to be on our team and on the outside looking in. That's exactly right. Doc, how can folks find you on the World Wide Web? Certainly. You can find me at thg-agency.com. It's thg-agency.com, www.worldwideweb. You can catch me there. Go to the HBC Sports Report, and you'll get uh, top 10 poll rankings can uh, give you the top five for those interesting. We can do that uh, before we get out of here with the HBCUs. Uh, but also, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. The Dr. King Radical Real, the handle there is D R K E N Y A T T A C A V I L. D R K E N Y A T T A C A V I L. We'll do the entire top 10 on the weekly show from 5 30 to 7 as we expand the show to an hour and a half now, 5.30 to 7 Central Standard Time. That's at KKBQ 92.9 FM HD 2. 
Uh, if you want to watch a streaming, you can go to KSOH-TV, KSOH-TV.com, and you can uh, see us in the studio giving out the information on HBC Sports Report. We usually have a uh, coach from Prairie View and m Coach Willie Simmons, as well as the coach from Texas Southern University, Mike Haywood, call in to review what took place the previous week if they played the game and then certainly give us an update on the matchups to come for games they're playing in the upcoming week. Every once in a while we have uh, ADs, commissioners, uh, other coaches outside the conference matchups. Uh, oftentimes we have them on as well, particularly with the Spanish time. So we have a lot on the show. Check us out. If you can't catch it live, certainly understand that, but we still will get it to you. You can find it as a podcast on SoundCloud.com. Wildcat? Well, the doctor is inside the HBC Sports Lab. Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, you can find me online at uh, uh, Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, at uh, J.L. Woodley 1 and Jerry L. Woodley Jr. Uh, you can also find me at Blogger, Blogspot, SoundCloud, and YouTube uh, at AKSV, VCSR, the College Sports Report. Uh, my uh, game for this weekend was the uh, women's soccer at the soccer program at Texas Southern. They played their last uh, non-conference game uh, match before they start conference play on next week. Uh, they are headed off to Southern. Uh, and then they've got, they're on the road for four weeks before they come back home. It'll be the second Friday or the second Sunday in uh, October. Um, in that stretch, they've got Southern, Jackson State, and the two Alabama schools. Uh, today, they took it on the chin late with less than uh, a minute to go. They gave up a uh, uh, onside goal uh, with about, I think, about 30 or 35 seconds left to go in the match. Uh, they had held off LSU Alexandria up to that point. They didn't get boxed in like they were last week against Southern Miss. Pretty much spread them out, but they kept attacking. Uh, the uh, 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 keeper had about about three to four uh, saves uh, in deep, but it was it, it, it stayed close. They get, didn't give up the, the back wall, and when they when it finally happened, it was pretty much over. The two minute numbers that were against uh, Texas Southern at the time when they when uh, LSU Alexandria scored. So that, that was it, one nil, and some way somehow, Coach said he'll figure it out this week. The one thing that she wants to accomplish going into wanted to accomplish going into conference play was to have a different setups, different matchups, uh, not run the same style or the same uh, uh, offense defense week in and week out. Give them a, a, some a little consistency, but not a whole lot repetitiveness. That's Real it. quick, two things before we, we uh, shut it down. Gentlemen, the Astros clinched the American League West today. Any thoughts on that? Justin Verlander came through again with another spectacular pitching performance. They beat the Mariners uh, 7-1, to clinched the, the division, going back to the playoffs. I think the division title is the first in 15, 16 years. The Cleveland Indians finally lost after winning eight million games in a row a few days ago. They had won 22 in a row. That's just that's – just, I'm not a baseball fan, but I know, I know greatest when I hear it and see it. Winning two, 22 games in a row in professional sports is a hell of an accomplishment. Yeah. Because all your okay. games are at home. you got to go on the road sometime, as they say. No question about it. 22 in a row at Cleveland, that's a big deal. I just hope uh, those that uh, are reviewing the Astros, particularly those middle-road fans, do not get too uh, disappointed as the Astros kind of get back in terms of overall uh, league play. Uh, but uh, to come out and get it done, uh, they came off to a hot start. They've uh, got a pitcher with Verlander, so now it's a chance where he gets interested in the playoffs. I think they're in a good position. But this is a team that has played very good baseball for just about the majority of the season. So I think it's something to celebrate, particularly for the Houston Astros fans. 
The Astros interesting team in the playoffs. They only trail the White Sox by, it looks like, a game and a half for the best record in the American League. So they still have a chance at that. Got 13 games left in the regular season. So they still have a chance to. be interesting to watch. So let's talk about, I hope y'all saw the Longhorns USC football game. I saw yeah. it. I, saw, I, it. I saw it all. I saw as much as I could before I fell asleep. Well, you, I saw the end. Were you also paying attention to to Twitter or any of social media while the game was going on? No, no. Tell us about that. All right. Clearly, I am a supremely proud graduate of the University of Houston, which therefore defines that in my blood, I have disdain for the University of Texas. Okay. Going somewhere. Let me throw, going somewhere, let me throw that out there from the jump. Now, add to that fact that their new head coach spurred Mama Mater. Correct. Tom Herman. <laughs> oh, okay, that guy. Yeah, I thought you talked about the other guy. You know who I'm talking about? We, we you haven't got there yet, but come on with it. So come on with it. So to see on Twitter that uh, this is, while they were still trailing now, mind you, to USC in the fourth quarter, before they took the lead late, late in the fourth quarter, Twitter, and this is some coming from national writers, mind you, not, not fans, Longhorn fans, you know, you're a fan, short for, for fanatic. So you have your own burnt orange color glasses on. But seeing writers say, Texas is back. What in the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Two weeks ago, Maryland dropped 51 on them. Yet all of a sudden, a two-week span, the defense has found itself, and now the Longhorns are back. This was before the Longhorns went ahead in the final moments of the fourth quarter. They were still trailing. Longhorns are back. What? So when the Longhorns took the lead, it's really now. The Longhorns are back. Texas is back. Todd Orlando's doing a great job at defense coordinator. They're going to be a great head coach. The same man. Let me go back to it again. Just the same man who gave up 51 points to Maryland. Right? Maryland. Two weeks ago. Maryland. 51 points. Then, to, I guess, further prove my point, that same Orlando-led Longhorn defense allowed USC to march down the field in the final seconds of the fourth quarter to t- get in field goal position, tie the game up. So the power and influence of Texas Longhorn football on the national landscape knows no bounds. They're back, yet they're now one and two. Really? Well, what did I just, I, I've said time and time again for the wrong reason. That in the Big Twelve, there are only two schools that matter, and that's fair. No, but that's true. That is true. It's Oklahoma Trust me, trust me. I agree with that. But I asked the same question then, and I asked the same question now. For TCU and Baylor, before the wheels fell off, to make as big a jump and a move as they did, when those other two schools were mediocre, I mean, they were winning games, but it was an an acceptance of them winning eight or nine games rather than the 10 or 11 or 12 that they had, folks had been accustomed to. And people accepting that is, as a, yes, Way to go, Big 12. You got Oklahoma and Texas going to bowl games. Everybody's all happy. You're graduating kids. Things are fine. You know, well, come on now. Bear with me now. Bear with me because I'm I'm on campus a lot more than y'all are. 
Hey, I can look at the statistics. All I'm looking at the statistics. You said, no, that, that, I'm going. I'm going. Just, I'm going on what the how the alumni is feeling and still buying tickets, and the place getting remodeled. Because I've been in which three. Is, which is my point. Which is what a professor wrote last week that I told you about that they weren't worried about graduate players. I'm just standing correctly. Let's not. No, I, get, I, I get. I get. You. I get. You. I get. You. Now trust me, that news. I, I I I understand. It's all about education with three of us. Hopefully, that that it gets out that more people should have the the, the mindset that it should be about education. Uh, well, I don't I don't want to ruin your point. I think you own something, but I do want to sneak this question in there as you are moving through that. Are the Texas Longhorn fans happy about what they saw uh, in California last last night? Doc, the two texts that I got this morning, uh, late last night, I still haven't asked them, <laughs> but they are ecstatic, Doc. And, I, and I'm, 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 I'm being honest. They are ecstatic. I mean, I, I'm just For asking. the wrong reason now. For the wrong reason. I'm being honest, but I'm like Chris. It just lets you know uh, when you want to look at yourself in a certain way, you can. Yeah, that's true. And the worst part about it is, too many people are accepting that as, as gospel. And I think that's a totally a debilitary mentality of what you're passing along to the wrong folks. Now, I will say this. I got a question. When Clay Helton was still an assistant coach, did his name ever come up? For one of the uh, for a head coaching job here at the University of Houston at some point, Chris, do you know? I do know, and I will not answer. Okay. Now, all the reason I say that, all, all the reason I'm saying this is because the cries of the father must have stood over that kid's head when his name came up, rightly and wrongly. Go ahead. So my point is, at some point, he should have been forgiven. The kid is saying that okay. He's overcome a lot now. He's a U.S. race alum. Way back in the day. There was seven and five team that went to the Liberty Bowl. At some point, got to be forgiven. Yep, you say so. Well, <laughs> you answer my question. They happy. I, hey, I, I love it. Hey, they happy right. that they right. I'm done. I'm done. I, so that's my that's my commentary. That's that's my it for the, to, for the day. That's my it for the day. So, if those texts you received that they're happy at one and two, now accepting moral victory, so that shows you. Well, apparently the Longhorn Nation has fallen to <laughs> is that they're now accepting more victories of being one and two. Hey, okay, that's that's hey, them. That's them. That's, that's different them. than their head coach post game last night saying we don't accept more victories. There are more. There are no more victories in football. Amen. But if the alums have that mentality, then Tom Herman's already won. And he's got to know with the pixie dust that uh, so good for him, but. Oklahoma still left. Coming in. O- Oklahoma State still left. Oklahoma State bumped a good. Um, well, we'll see how good they are. Pittsburgh team on the road yesterday. Uh, right. TCU bounced back. So that's three, three potential losses for yeah. the Horns right there. So if they lose all yeah. three, which I, I don't see them losing all three because, I mean, they'll maybe win one of the three. But if they do lose all three of them, that's five losses. Yeah. So we'll see how. how Ecstatic Longhorn Nation is with five loss season uh, in Tom Herman's first year. If that takes place, you know, obviously Charlie Strong put his own nail in his the final nail in his coffin losing at Kansas last year. You yeah, just, you couldn't yeah. You couldn't come from that. No, you just he, he just couldn't do that. But the Longhorns' performance yeah. yesterday against USC. Why would you? Why were you surprised? 
Tom Herman's team, Tom Herman coach teams have played well against highly ranked opponents. Yesterday's yes, loss was the first loss of, I think, six against top 10, top 15, top 25 teams, top, probably top 10 or higher or better for Coach Herman. Yeah. So he knows how to get the squad up for the big-time opponents. His problem was when that U of H, Navy, SMU, you know, laying eggs like that, Connecticut two years ago. Yeah. So I'm going to say this. The, the Navy game, inexcusable, but it don't happen. It don't happen. They just, it's just the military schools, that's just who they are and what, and they do what they do. In the middle of a season, you got to totally change and adapt. Sometimes it, you just can't overcome. But you come, you come, you I want to hear the alum say they feel happy when he, if he does that, what you're talking about now. As it happens, I'm gonna hear them say, "Well, it just happened." Yeah, let's. Yeah, they, they lose. Yeah, nobody on the schedule like that. He's they, got nobody on the schedule like, like Navy at all. No, no, I'm so not talking about. I'm, I'm not talking about styles. I'm talking about non-top twenty-five teams left on his Big Twelve schedule. Oh, uh, when uh, UConn and, and and SMU, that was horrible. He should have been right off. But but I no no. Left. My point in, my point is now the equivalent. Let's see what they say if he loses to Texas Tech or Kansas State or Kansas or this this year seems impossible. Baylor. Let's see if what they say when he loses to one of of those also ran schools. Let's let's stop right there. The Baylor game, that would be, to me, that would be, I'd go off like the the region did at A&M if he lost to Baylor. (laughs) He loses to Baylor. Yeah, I said it. If he loses to Baylor, I would go off like like that region of A and F. That would be totally inexcusable. At home or on the road, that would be excused. Totally. You know, West Virginia. Let's see what happens there. That's, that's a loss. That happened. That game was on the road. You looking at the schedule? Yeah. Uh, I think that's a home game. Let me see. No, that's a, that's on the road. That's on the road to Morgantown. Oh yeah, he, he can get beat there. He can get beat there. He can get beat. Okay. Okay. So if if that happens, that's six and six at least. There you go. He may not qualify for a bowl if if if, if, if the dominoes fall fall wrong. The dominoes fall fall sideways. He cannot make. They might not make a bowl. But, yeah. but clearly, we're getting ahead of ourselves, you know, because. Oh, yeah. But now, I stand by what I said about Baylor. Oh, no question. I ain't letting that go. I'm not letting that go. <laughs> yeah. You know, Baylor lost to Duke Saturday, so. And that's my point. Baylor's still winless, and it's going to be hard for Baylor to win uh, a football game this year. Baylor alums probably looks, are looking kind of day to basketball season. Men yeah, and women. Yeah, they, they back out of the football business. Yeah, it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. They got at least one, let's see, one, two, at least two years of browse recruits that's still on campus and it's mixed. And they got to clear they, they are going to be, they definitely going to have to clear that out. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Is there anything you want to toss out before we wrap it up? Did y'all watch uh, the fight last night? No. What happened? I, I saw that. Everybody's kind of like questioning what it, you know, it, it went to a draw. I didn't have a chance to watch. Go back and, and is it that obvious or, or what? I, I, I watched football all last night. I, 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 saw, I saw the fight. I came, I made it back here in time to watch it after the finishing up my water and juice. Um, it was a competitive fight. I was surprised. It wasn't as many folks expected it. Rock em, sock em from the opening bell to the closing bell. There was some more, uh, it was more strategy involved. I was surprised that Golovkin did not throw enough body punches to Canelo. Canelo won 
the opening rounds looked like a younger fighter going against an older fighter early on. Middle rounds, Triple G seemed to find his rhythm, started throwing more punches, landing more combinations, doing more work. Get to the money rounds, the 10, 11, 12 round before the 10th round started. Canelo's corner told him he needed to be more active and need to win these rounds because he was probably losing the fight. So Canelo was more active, started more, throwing more combinations. And those rounds, those last three rounds, really much more of what I think fans, myself included, media people as well, expected to see from round one to the end of the fight. More hands flying, punches being thrown, punches being landed, guys t- going toe-to-toe from the first minute of the round to the last second of the, of the round. Much more heavy punches being thrown and landed. End of the fight. Fight's over. Scores have not been announced. I put on Twitter. I would not be shocked that this is a draw. Michael Buffer announces scores. First judge, first score. Judge Adelaide Bird, 118-110 for Canelo. As soon as I heard that, exactly, I was like, what in the hell? Next judge scored 115-113 for Triple G. Third judge, 114-114. We have a draw. Crowd is booing. Announcers are upset at the, not not necessarily the draw, but the 118-110 score by Judge Adelaide Bird. I don't know what fight she saw. I don't know what fight she saw because that score <laughs> is equivalent to Canelo winning 10 of the 12 rounds. No. no way. No way at all. People on Twitter, boxing conspiracy theorists, you check your bank account, hinting at she got money for that score that she put out there. That score is so out there, such an outlier, is as if she had written down the score, 118-110, before the fight was even over. Hell, it could have been before the fight even started. Like she had already in her mind that this is what, it's gonna, this is what I was told to put down, this is what it's going to be. No way in the world Canelo won 10 of those 12 rounds. But it's boxing's fault because boxing is a subjective sport. You leave it in the hands of the judges. If you allow the judges to determine what they prefer to win a round, whether it's throwing more punches, being a busier fighter, that's one judge's point of view, landing the heavier punches, hurting your opponent, Another, another judge's point of view. Third judge may say, I like my, I give the round to folks who are better counter punchers, have better defense, hit and not be hit. So if that is what you allow to happen, then perhaps you, you, you open yourself up to situations like this. Saying all that, based on other boxing nas- national writers, one writer predicted that L.A. Bird would have an outrageous score like this because he's done it before. So one of my questions is why in the hell or how in the hell is she allowed to continue judging world title fights? If she has her own mindset in scoring a fight. This was a travesty. But it's boxing. Boxing has done it for years. We've seen it for years. We've seen ridiculous scores from judges forever. It's part of boxing. But being a part of boxing does not grow your your sport, does not grow your fan base for the average fan. 
the average fan apparently wants to spend top dollar on events. And in my eyes, farces like that Mayweather-McGregor thing that happened a few weeks ago. Where the, the they, dollars, man, is about the money, 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 Mayweather! Let's <laughs> <laughs> just face it. Let's just face it. It's about the money, man. It's about the money, man. I mean, you know, ain't no Don King in the, in the, in the, in the group. Ain't no, ain't no Aaron. Uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, what, what's Aaron's last name? Uh, Who, Aaron, Price? Aaron Price? Aaron Price? I mean, Bob Aram? Yeah, Bob Aram. Oh, he's still around? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, then that's my point. Didn't know he was still there. That's my point right there. Those two guys, you can say what you want to about them, but when they put a fight together, it was about marketing. It was about putting the right fight together. No. I mean, I agree with that to a point, but the the right fight was put together. Last night's fight was the right fight, but it did not generate uh, Joe and Jill, average fan, pick their interest to see the fight. Those two, Canelo and Golovkin, did not throw out expletives or racial slurs or batter women or anything controversial to get people to spend money to watch them like those two clowns did a few weeks ago. And I'll call them clowns because I really don't respect either one of them for what they've done, said previously. But on the other hand, they know how to make money. Yeah. They know how to get people to spend money to see them do what they do. And that's where we are in society. I just spent a dime yeah. on that stuff two weeks ago. I had no problem spending money for the fight last night because I love boxing. And I also, but I also expect boxing to have strange scores, real out, outland, out, outlandish scores from judges. But 118-110, she needs to be investigated. <laughs> Well, all we can say is speculation. Could be, might be, maybe. And she can say, you know, I, I saw, I scored it the way I saw it. And in one basic sense, you have to take away, take her word for it. She saw how she saw it, and nobody else saw it the way she saw it. She may have, you know, and, and that's just the way it is. Because once again, if boxing does not t- say to its judges, score the fight based on X, Y, Z, all of y'all, this is what we expect. This is what you look yeah. for. Yeah. If boxing doesn't do that, then you will continue having these possibilities occur. Yeah. No matter. I still watch boxing. I still, not, I, I can't tell you how many times this year when I've seen a, a ridiculous, in my eyes, decision. It's happened, it's happened multiple times this year. But I love boxing. I'll continue watching boxing. But so it's, at some point, I hope before the year that, I think that, is, was that the last, last big fight for the year? Yes. There'll be other cards, yeah. but nothing that, nothing, Big like that before the years over. Well, I hope at some point in the next next twelve months, you see there's a match that kind of like sets your soul on fire, this way. and it'll it'll give you what you're looking for. Stepping out, thing, and we go to punch it. That's it. Well, the rematch of this of last night's fight will probably take place, and probably take place the weekend of Cinco de Mayo because that's a, a huge date in boxing for main event cards. So mm-hmm. it doesn't shock me that there will be a rematch. I thought there would be a trilogy in this. I just thought it'd be based on winning fight one, not a draw. Right. It's, especially not a draw with a ridiculous score of 118-110. Yeah. 
but folks want to make money. Boxing people want to make money, and they'll do it. They will do whatever it takes to make money as long as the buying public allows it to take place. Well, I hadn't been to Vegas in a while, uh, so hope somebody will put something together that'll make me want to spend hundred twenty dollars to go because say that again you broke up there. say it again i said i hope there's another big event weekend that'll make me spend 120 dollars round trip to go to go to vegas and see a fight uh, and a, a usc event that's big enough to draw me out there for a, a, a two-day uh, overnight uh, situation because I hadn't been to Vegas in a while, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, hopefully, things will work out uh, that somebody put something together and, and do something for for me at least. Because going and watching basketball is totally different. I don't even, you know, I go and check into the hotel, go to the gym, watch some games, go back to the hotel, sleep, do my report. And then, bam, I'm out the next day. Well, that's just the way I, that's just the way I look at it. You don't want to go to Vegas and stay too long. Oh, true. Now, your, your dollar signs and all can, can fade away in the, in the middle of the day. Not, not at well, night, true. but in the, in the middle, middle of the day. I've seen, it, I've seen them fade away in your doggy when the sun's coming up. It's barely high enough in the sky to look over the horizon. You see somebody just walking out to the, the casino saying, screaming and hollering, ah! <laughs> <laughs> like a vampire, they've been in there so long. Oh my goodness! That's how long ago it's been since the last time. Because downtown didn't look like downtown like right now, like it is right now. It was still open. You can walk out in the street from the table, pass out, walk in front of the truck, kill yourself, and this happened. Well, hopefully. It's Hopefully, a a true boxing card and not a farce will pique your interest to return to Vegas for a a, a major boxing event. Okay. My next big event is September twenty fifth, Rockets Media Day. That's what I'm looking forward to. Wildcats, you got U of H football press conference. Major Alpha White coming up Monday. Coach Baylor and Rice on Tuesday. <laughs> Last week, um, there weren't any players available for uh, the U of H uh, uh, press conference, but that's it, it, just because it was early and kids were st- still trying to get situated and acclimated to being back on campus and fighting through some things. I presume tomorrow uh, there will be some players available. Just, we don't know who until we get there because it's, it's all set around uh, the guys' uh, classroom schedule and Doc. You know, the floor sees that all the time. I actually noticed something. You know, this, this somebody somebody cares. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at Rice, I don't even have to worry about that. As we we put it, if we see a player, we see what. If not, we don't sweat it. We know that kid is in class. There you go. There you go, and fellas, thank you very much for your time and your patience this evening. Yeah, we'll work on. Um, well, we'll know. We'll let you listen, though, on our next podcast is going to be on our Twitter accounts because we may, it may be in a few days or maybe in a week. So based on a few things that we're working on with our guests. So, All right. So listeners, just stay pay close, close attention to our Facebook page, the KG, Fifth Water Wildcat and Doc page on Facebook or my Twitter account, VHR Review, as well as Wildcat and Doc's Twitter account, and we'll keep you posted because the guests that we're working to have, we think it's a pretty big deal. So once we hammer yep. it out, you will know what's going on and you will hopefully enjoy the podcast once we find lives that are posted for you to listen to on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Pod Directory, etc. So thank you as always for your support. Oh, I hope y'all saw on our Facebook page, gentlemen. That loyal listener Bruce says the first round of water juice on September 26th will be on him. 
when Doc <laughs> takes care of Wildcats and the Snake Bet. What y'all saw that? Sounds good. Yeah, that's all good. It's all good. All right, gonna wrap it good. up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more. All right, I got that one. Thanks, fellas. Talk to you later. All right. All right.